0: Welcome to the Crystal Valley Casserole, a podcast where we introduce you to members of our ward.
1: We are Chad and Kenny Smith. We are not professional podcasters. We record this at home.
0: We have kids.
1: And they are loud.
0: And we like to eat dessert with our guests, so you might hear some noise occasionally.
1: But we have some amazing people we want you to meet. So, without further ado...
0: Pull up a seat and join us as we get to know some of the ingredients that make up the Crystal Valley Casserole. Well, we're super excited to sit down with Brent and Krista Sheffield today. Thanks, guys, for coming on the podcast.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Okay, what? Well <laughs> You guys are celebrities now. Um, let's go ahead and get started. We want to hear just a little bit about where you guys come from, what your experience was like growing up, um, and I feel like I know a little bit about both of you, but just tell us kind of where you grew up and maybe some things that made your family growing up experience unique. You Okay, so I grew up in Sandy, Utah.
2: Um, I lived there my whole life. Growing up, I le- I, until I left for college, that is, um, I have, s- there are seven kids in my family. So I have four brothers and two sisters, um, and it was pretty much a madhouse all the time. <laughs> there was a lot of, a lot going on and a lot of exciting things every single day and a lot of fighting and um, a lot of love, too. Hopefully there's still some left.
1: <laughs> 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 do you feel like, I don't know, that that's kind of a funny thing to say, like a madhouse. Like, is, do you feel like it was more because, like, you kids were just, like, really uh, energetic? Or do you feel like it was, like, I don't know, looking back where you're, like, where we're mom and dad, or Oh. M- m- mostly driven by cou- the kids?
2: A couple of things. Um, number one, all of my brothers are extremely energetic. <laughs> yeah. Like my little brother, we used to say he just bounced off walls, like, uh-huh. okay. all the time. Um, number two, everybody in my family fights for their voice being heard at all times. Okay, um, do you agree
1: with that? Still, oh,
2: yeah. still, <laughs> still. Um, so the family like family gets
1: together and it's like the debate is raging and everybody's trying to be heard and get their their two cents in it's the conversation. More like
2: who wants to be the funniest and have the funniest story at okay. all times? Oh yeah, okay. okay. I think we don't have very many serious discussions. Oh okay. Because that when we do, it funny. doesn't go very well. So yeah. everything's just kind of surface level funny. Okay. Almost and all loud the time. and funny Even and still. silly. Yeah, and it's still like that. So yeah. Um,
0: I kind of love that though because so there's seven kids in your family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like. Sometimes in big families, at least, you know, one or two. And I come from a family of seven also. Oh, nice. And I feel like there's a couple kids in my family that kind of fly under the radar. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I feel like sometimes people just take a back seat if everybody else is loud. But it sounds like in your family, like, everybody has just made the decision to all be loud together. I think I'm the one that takes the back seat. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Me and maybe
2: one of my other sisters. Okay. And that's about it. I think yeah. that's all.
1: The other thing I was thinking when you were talking, I think that's really fun because with big families or big groups, just in general, it can be really easy for everybody to just want to defer and say like, no, what everybody else wants. But it doesn't sound like you guys have that problem. Like, people are willing to say like, we're doing this, and mm-hmm. that's that's cool. Yeah, because that can be hard to do. That, yeah,
2: I do. I sometimes feel like it's frustrating to me because. I am not willing to, like, yell over everybody else to have my voice heard. Uh, so I've always kind of felt like my voice
1: like is... Like, you're always doing what everybody else wants to do. Is hit, it's,
0: it's, it's hidden yeah. in there. Yeah. 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 So, Which is friend. interesting, because as a person, you're well-spoken and confident and opinionated. I think you're... <laughs> yes. um, Sometimes. Educated. It depends on my know. mood. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's just interesting yeah, how these dynamics come out, families, but... Yeah. But happy childhood and you enjoyed yeah, growing up sure. in Sandy and growing up in a big family, it sounds like. Yeah,
2: yeah. I did enjoy cool. it. We've, we both come from big families and I think we both had, a, had great experiences growing up. I mean, you know, we, everybody has something, something that's not great growing up. But um, overall, I feel like I've been very blessed and my parents are awesome. Can you,
1: yeah, can you tell us about like a formative experience for your testimony?
2: I actually was thinking about this the other day. Um, So I just did the fourth year hike uh, for girls camp. Yeah. And, you know, you have a testimony meeting where you all sit around the fire and it just brought to my remembrance being at girls camp and having those experiences for myself and I don't know what it is but something sitting around the fire and um, with all of your peers you just I was able to really feel the spirit I think during that time um, and I don't know it uh it was just always a great experience for me um, and I remember like going out and sitting on my own and. Praying during girls' camp and how it just was a spiritual experience that I will never forget. And going to back to camp helped me remember that. Yeah,
1: that's kind of cool. Going back yeah. as a leader, that's like that—that's really
0: cool. Yeah.
1: So I'm kind of curious. Do you 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 brought sitting around the you brought up sitting around the campfire with your friends, but then you also brought up like praying on your own. Mm-hmm. And I think you know friends are obviously super super important but then also personal experiences are super important what would you say your when you look back at like your formative years do you feel like your testimony was really personal and you felt like you would have had you you would have lived your life whether you had friends supporting you living that way or not or do you feel like your social group was really important in forming that
2: I think it was very personal for me okay um I think of my two best friends growing up and both are great but um one is no longer a member of the church the other (laughs) I'm not really sure um but I remember being in like young women's and being the one that was like Come on, like come, come <laughs> with me. You yeah. know, um, yeah, cool. I never really had anybody else who was super strong in that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And my friend groups, they were great, but I, I also don't think they were real strong mm-hmm. in terms of uh, faith in the gospel. Yeah. Um. So for me, it was really personal, and I think something I've thought a lot about is some people are blessed with it's it's a gift of the spirit to have faith yeah and i feel like that's just just something i've always had yeah Mm -hmm. like it just comes really easily to me it's just there it's not something i've had to struggle with really um yeah and i think that's kind of what got me through those years
1: Yeah. yeah yeah Cool. So that's really great. And I, I just love pulling out of these conversations. Just, you know, there's going to be people on both sides of that, right? There's going to be people who feel like I, um, I never would have made it if it weren't for my friends or, you know, or maybe there's some like teenagers or young adults or even adults that just feel like, oh, uh, if my friend leaves like the church and I would, would leave the church as well. Um, and then there's other people who, you know, they say like, I've never had a friend in the gospel. Like this has always been me. And I just feel like it's, it's cool to see that you can make both of those work, right? Like the, 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 the gospel, like the plan of salvation is a very community oriented experience, while at the exact same time being extremely individual, like it, both of those things happen in this experience. So absolutely. That's kind of neat how that yeah. works mm-hmm. out. Cool. All right. Brent, you're up. All right. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, my upbringing, right? That's what we yeah. Co- yeah. Colorado native, I believe. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I was born in a home in Littleton, Colorado. Um, the seventh of eight kids. My, uh, my brother two two kids older than me was accidentally born at home oh wow the doctor oh. sent them back and said you're not having this baby tonight no and it was way. such a great experience my sister <laughs> older than me was born at home and i was born at home as what?
0: well and those
1: were on purpose those are on purpose okay, because they're, they're like the, the doctors and everything yeah, yeah and okay. the
0: eighth kid too
1: uh, the
3: eighth kid was born in the hospital at okay. that time i think there were just some more complications and yeah. okay stuff so he, he was born in the hospital but i was like the Say I wasn't born in a barn, bad, but <laughs> but, I was born in a home. But close. Yeah. Not in a hospital. But, On a couch. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, seventh of eight kids, born and raised in Colorado. Uh, my parents are still living in Colorado in the same house I spent most of my years growing up, a lot like Krista's parents are. They keep Krista's parents keep buying property elsewhere and then not moving. Oh. <laughs> uh, Staying right where they, can't they quite are. Can't quite bring so. themselves to leave. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But uh, yeah, grew up in a, a family with um great loving parents who are just fantastic and committed to our savior and the gospel and amazing siblings i got a chance to see a lot of my brothers and sisters grow up and go through their own struggles before me so it was a big blessing for me to see brothers and sisters go on missions and come home from missions or brothers and sisters you know, struggle in their relationship with my parents or some not struggle and mm-hmm. helped me as a kid kind of decide what I wanted my future to be like or how I wanted to interact with my parents and things like that and um, yeah what did you say I
2: think we're both really similar in that way hmm. where we're I'm the 6th of 7 he's the 7th of 8, oh, wow. yeah. of eight. Okay. and I think we're both we both watched our older siblings yeah. you know fight with our parents and yeah, go through a lot of stuff so we're both like the easy kid of the family, kind mm-hmm. of, like, rule followers and a little more reserved, I think. Yeah. Um, we just didn't, yeah, do you think that's true?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely, I mean, it's interesting how roles change among siblings as you get older and, and um, you know, it's, but as, you know, being a younger, both of us in the younger end, it's kind of interesting to be viewed as a young kid and then as we mm-hmm. have gotten older and had kids and... Stuff it's siblings that are, you know, eight years older than me are some of my closest brothers and sisters now, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to the ones that are like two years apart from me. Yeah, so that you grew up. Yeah, it's been a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. yeah, cool. yeah.
1: Um, can I just like try to get some reference for everybody? I think I don't know if everybody's like this, but you hear like, oh, I grew up in Littleton, Colorado. Then everybody wants to know like, okay, what was your proximity to Columbine?
3: Sure. Yeah. So I I went to Columbine High School. I was in 8th grade sitting in Ken Carroll Middle School when uh, they started, uh, the school got a little weird and they wouldn't let anyone go outside for lunch or anything and was sitting in Mr. Lyle's math class as uh, we finally just flicked the TV on. Mr. Lyle had a son at the school, It's was just, you know. Oh wow. Down, at the high school? Yeah, just down the road. My sister mm-hmm. was a sophomore there. Had an older brother that had just graduated the year before, so it's just one of my siblings was there. But I think just about everybody sitting in that math class had a brother or sister in the wow. in that school that day, and um, so it was you know definitely an interesting experience, an interesting time, and you know, a lot of prayer. I remember sitting there, I was in the second row from the end, towards the back of the class, and. Uh, as what was happening not far from us started sinking in, I remember the kids around me starting to cry and getting all worried because we were also, you know, on this thing that we'd never heard of before called lockdown, which every mm-hmm. kid who goes to school nowadays knows exactly what that is. Yeah, but that's had no we, idea what was Yeah, we'd now. never known what it was, yeah. but they announced that we were on lockdown. I'm like, well, I don't know what that means, but sure, I'll just sit here okay. at my desk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just sat at our desks and, you know, um, our teacher didn't say anything, but... Uh, I remember praying in that moment, sitting there in that seat. Uh, And I think some of those times when we're in deep prayer, we have moments kind of like Enos where, you know, we pray for something. And then as as we finish the prayer, we think, oh, we need to pray for more people. And we need to pray for more people. And I remember sitting there and praying for my sister that she would be okay and receiving a confirmation that she was okay. Mm -hmm. And feeling that peace right there in that class as... Amy next to me crying and, and the other kids around me are, are you know melting down I felt peace and then feeling the need to then pray for them the siblings and friends of all the kids sitting in my class mm-hmm. and praying for everybody and everybody who's impacted and anybody who's in the community and um, yeah it was uh, it was an interesting time my sister's tough she's really strong still to this day I try to text her every day on April 20th and I love her and um, I'm grateful she followed the spirit that day. She um, she was sitting in the cafeteria when uh, you know, a kid from her seminary class was just outside and uh, was stepped outside in the lawn where, where the gunmen were and got shot at. And he jumped back in the building and told the teacher who started yelling to all the kids in the cafeteria to get under their desks. And hmm. thankfully, none of the kids listened. They all took off running and left the cafeteria. <laughs> so my sister... Uh, you know, left her backpack where it was, and a lot of friends of mine that I got to know, you know, left their backpacks right next to what they didn't realize were duffel bags full of propane bombs and things like that, and ran up the stairs to the second story, and my sister turned left, and that's what saved her life. If she would have turned right, she would have met him head on, and she ended up taking a left and cutting through the auditorium, going out the back, exit she almost never used, and jumped a fence in her skirt because she had a choir performance or something that day and wow ran all the way to the public library across the field where she called my parents and oh
4: my goodness
3: yeah you know it's it's one of those things where um, a lot of things go wrong in a day like that but that even yeah. more things go right than people realize huh, that's and the more stories you hear the more more you talk to you and the more people you know in those situations you realize there's, there's a lot of people who get, get saved through decisions that they didn't really think through, they just had to make, and it happened just the way it needed to be. So, um, yeah, that was a, you know, it's a day that changed, changed a lot in our community, but,
1: um, I'm grateful for what I've learned from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. This is, I, I, I think it could probably be kind of hard for people who would say like, let's say they lost their child and say like, Oh, well, like, you know, why didn't something go right for them? But you know, it's just like not up to us to make decisions about, you sure. know, sure. absolutely pr- Promptings and wh- whose time it is and whose time it isn't. And we just have to uh, do the best with our faith. But as you were telling that story, I was thinking about, I, I didn't realize this, but when elder Bednar was a mission president in Toronto, his daughter while at high school there was a school shooting and she came home from school with like blood on her outfit because she like helped some kids who had, had been wounded. So I was really surprised when I read that in his biography, because like, I think we think like, Oh, this is a new phenomenon. This is only happens in the United States. But that was like, uh, when was it? Like, I think that was in the seventies. Oh, wow but to your point that like his daughter was there helping people grew from that experience and and we don't really think about those kinds of things right like we just think of the tragedy and it is a tragedy which you you know you don't want to um like undermine the tragedy of it but it is good to realize that there are a lot of positive things involved in that as well so that's yeah that's really interesting i'm glad, glad that you brought that
2: I think that a lot of people will say, or you think, okay, so there's a tragedy, and you had to have this tragedy for somebody else to learn something from it, but that's not really what happens. It's um, something bad happens, and you can choose. You can choose if you are going to learn something from that, or if you're going to let that break you, and um, it's not, I don't think... The tragedy is just for us to grow. I think Heavenly Father lets those things happen, but then we get to choose if we're going to grow from that or not. Yeah.
1: Right. Like, I think every human being on earth is going to experience tragedy, mm-hmm. right? Like, and the form is going to be different. And it's, you know, it's hard to say, like, well, this tragedy is worse than that tragedy, but everybody is going to go through something. And that's what I, we love talking about. Hope i love talking about the wilderness with people right like like the trial like the you know wandering in the wilderness for 40 years until you make it to the promised land And i just love that idea and that's like a part of all of our lives and so uh, yeah
0: you know. i like that you said that too krista because i feel like i mean that's the perfect answer to that question of why would some people make it out of that experience okay why would some people not and really I mean thankfully that's that was the outcome with your sister but had it gone another way um your family still could have learned and grown obviously from that experience and come out okay because of the gospel you know Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that she's okay though it's amazing (laughs) amazing that she was protected that way yeah
3: right yeah and you know there's yeah, there's there's things that go right in life and things that go wrong and um, I'm not going to assume that it's always going to go right. You know, there's kids that I sat next to in seminary that had uh, a lot of scarring on their bodies from their injuries from that day, and you know, I think they there's there may be times in life when they feel like things didn't go right, mm-hmm. and um, that's okay too. It's okay yeah. for things not to go okay in life. Right. Yeah. Like that's a that's part of life and like Krista said um, life is not all supposed to be like, like I think we assume when things are idyllic that that's how life should be for everyone in every country in every income level in every part of the world that it all should be a certain way yeah and we realize that like the happiest countries on earth are not the ones with the highest poverty when we realize that the what they call the the highest highest income or things like that you know the highest the happiest income level in america is not it's way lower than you would think you know you can be happy
1: because it's a choice yeah we might be belaboring this point but i've been thinking about this a lot lately (laughs) i read this amazing quote and idea and i was like oh this i i do think this is kind of how i have tried to look at it but like it was articulated really well and it said when when looking when facing life decisions look for enlargement not happiness because i think even like we work so so much of the gospel is like to work and put in effort and try to to find joy and happiness and a good life like the good life right um but then sometimes we get that confused with like what that good life really looks like. And the good life really looks like enlargement, like ennobling yourself by choosing right and choosing good when faced with challenges. And so that's different than happiness. So I just like, really liked that. Yeah, you know, I've heard someone say, and I've tried to give this advice to youth
3: before, and that is never take a job just based on the pay when you're a kid, like, or just because your friends are working there or it's like a cool job that every job you have as you're growing up should be because you want to learn something from that job. Yeah. And so sometimes I've, I'll ask kids like, you know, what, what are you, what are you getting from that job besides money? Hmm. And, uh, I think the same can be asked of us at any, at any time. Just in life, life. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. so
1: what are you getting out of life? Are you just like having a good time or sure. are you like, growing yeah yeah
2: and what you said made me think of um the quote i don't know where it came from but find joy in the journey Mm -hmm. um it's not all about where you what your destination is it's about finding joy now because otherwise if you're always looking for a destination you'll always be searching for the next thing right as soon as you get to that destination you're then searching for the next thing Mm -hmm. um But to find that joy as you go. And I think that does come from enlargement or growth and change, um, whether or not you're hitting those milestones that you're wanting to. Yeah, totally.
1: Well, this has been awesome. Oh, I like, love Sorry we kind of like derailed the, like... Yeah. <laughs> I think we should get on to a love story. Well, actually,
0: Uh-oh. my little timer just went off, so... Oh, oh, oh tree time! For anyone listening <laughs> to this podcast, if you come let us interview you, we might feed you dessert. We're back. Let's hear the love story. eating dessert, and we want to hear how Brent and Krista met. <laughs> how did you guys meet? I'm um,
3: uh um, yeah. My mouth's full. <laughs> uh, we were both students at BYU, and I, uh, summer was just ending, a new fall semester was beginning, so I had stayed at school for the summer, and I decided to head over to the adjoining apartment complex to see what cute girls had moved in for the fall. <laughs> and that, uh, that's how it all began, that's how Krista started dating my roommate.
2: Oh. Well, I remember walking down the stairs and my roommate was talking to these two cute boys, and I was like, she's talking to cute boys and I'm not. I gotta go <laughs> over there. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so. And then yeah, Brent told you the good part. Yeah. No, it was uh,
3: <laughs> we became fast friends and um, she didn't actually date my roommate that long, but I, we like to joke about that. But we were very good friends and took some classes together, and um, even when she was dating or going on dates with other boys, she would come home and then we'd go hang out together. (laughs) (laughs) So we we became very close friends until one day I kind of got up the gumption to ask her if she wanted to date me. And I said no. Oh, This is what he
2: said. He said, does this ever feel good? real to you and I'm like does what ever feel real to you she like had just She's
1: gotten deep here broken up with another
3: oh, just boyfriend up with
2: my boyfriend and we were and like snuggling
3: on the couch pretty much watching a show we're like best friends I know and I was like yo do you ever want to like be best friends forever and she was like I don't know what funny. you're talking about she basically said no broke my oh, I heart said no Oh. I came I, I went on a trip out of town with some friends, came back and then I told her I had a I told her what was gonna happen.
4: You did? Yeah,
3: and I said, here's the deal. A week from today I'm gonna ask you to, to be my girlfriend. And you have a week to think about it and we're gonna hang out every single day until then. So by the time that week you know, a week from now, tell me and you can just give me the answer and that'll be that. And so, by the time the week had the end of the week came around,
2: we didn't even have to ask. I asked
3: her, and she didn't even know what I was talking about because we were (laughs) because you were like full on on date. It only took about a half a week before I think she had uh, um, realized. Well, she had to. Yeah, she had to date me. What choice did she have? I
2: didn't want to date him for a couple reasons. One, my best friend was, like, in love with him. Oh. Okay. So it was just, like, immediately opposite. Yeah. You know? yeah, But, yeah. like... She had dibs. There was undeniable we were best friends. Like, we just couldn't stay away from each other. Yeah. Um And then the other reason, I think, was, like, I knew. I knew that as soon as I started dating him, there was, like, it was over. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I could ever... Right, yeah. not be dating
0: him. Were you young? Like, was that kind of scary to think like, oh, this could be my serious internal relationship?
2: And I I don't know. I think I just didn't want to mess with it. Like, I just wasn't Mm -hmm. quite ready. And him giving me that kind of ultimatum was kind of just the, like, as soon as he gave that to me, it was like, okay. Yeah. And then, like he said, it was like before the week was over. It was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're already kissing and but we did that. Why
3: you got to so. tell people that? <laughs> <laughs> you two kiss? Oh my oh,
2: gosh. Getting scandalous.
3: Embarrassing. We were
1: we so gosh. funny though. Yeah. The what children,
0: happened, the children better, 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 be better. not
1: listening the youth listen mm. to
0: this. But you took control mm. of the situation. You were like we're not playing around anymore. This is going to happen. That's, That's right. I'm right. so glad you did. did. Yeah. yeah the rest is history. So I guess going back how long were you guys friends before that happened?
4: Mm.
0: We
2: were. We met in like August, and we started, we were dating by like February.
0: Oh, okay, so you were friends for a good chunk of time, like several Six. months. Yeah,
2: something like that. Yeah. sure I can't do the math. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. No, I'm under pressure. I okay. like that. The that thing- was
0: something, when we talked to the Penrods last podcast, um... They were friends in high school. Yeah. But I just right. think that's really cool. People who kind of meet and have that friendship just mm-hmm. to yeah. build on, you know. I think that's really cool. It worked for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, we can talk about this as much or as little as you want to. We can edit it out if we you need to or whatever. But I'm pretty curious about this because I think that, um, you know, the perception about marriage is like, oh, the people who meet and marry their best friend or their, you know, quote-unquote soulmate or whatever, that, like, that somehow that marriage is easier than somebody who's like, uh, I really didn't know if we should get married. It was really hard. I was praying. I didn't know. I knew I liked them. But anyhow, so, like, I feel like Cammie and I, we, when we met like, we really hit it off. We were great friends. Like, I have no doubt that... I, you know, I don't know in the big scheme of things how marriage works. Like, if you're... You know, if there's only one person... Whatever, right? There's been a lot of people who've said, like, varying things about mm-hmm. that. So, we, you know, we don't know how that works out. But I have no doubt that Cami and I, like... We
0: were we, meant to be we,
1: together. <laughs> we knew that this was going to be a great marriage. But then it's still really hard and like we like have really really hard times even with all that so i'm just like curious to hear has it been easy
0: for you guys (laughs) so (laughs) easy do you every single (laughs) night
1: bat your eyes at each other i don't know just tell us maybe just tell us maybe about like you don't have to get specific about a specific struggle or whatever but just maybe how you guys get through struggles and challenges and I don't know to whatever level of detail you want. To
3: get. Well, I think we learned pretty early on in our relationship that um, it's important that we talk through our struggles, even if one of us doesn't want to. It's mm. usually me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, I think that's accurate. That like, like I would say, Krista and I have had an amazing marriage, and we have like had so many good things about our marriage and I think within the last year we realized there's like a few things in our marriage that we really have never like fully fixed or gotten really resolved resolved. and and we were and we thought about that I think in the last year we've had a few things in our lives where we're like why would we like let things linger for so long and why don't we just like fix it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so we, we decided even though our marriage is amazing and we're you know fully in love and committed to each other and like nothing like that but we thought well why don't we just go talk to somebody get some ideas and help on how to resolve some lingering issues so we we just recently well, I guess a couple months ago we scheduled a few sessions with a, a marriage and family therapist that we, we loved and we thought it was great and it was just great to get tips and ideas and help and encouragement yeah. wow. and not that like I think the perception is that, like, you go and see somebody to talk about your marriage, it must be because your marriage is, like, falling apart. Yeah. And that yeah. was not at all the case for us. We just thought, like, why we can let it linger? Make it better. Why? Yeah. Like, this life is about becoming better than you are right now. This life is yeah. about becoming something great. Um, and if we are at a stagnant point in our relationship or if we're at a stagnant point in our career or our gospel study or our faith building, whatever it is, like, why let it linger Go fix it. Go improve it. Go get some help. Talk to somebody. And uh, we loved doing that. At least I did. I thought it was, <laughs> great. I thought it was great for It's us. always
2: like... You don't want to tell people you're going to
1: counseling.
3: There's to a counsel. little bit of a stigma, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I want to tell I want to tell more people because I'm I'm tired of the stigma. I think it's yeah. stupid. And I think I, think, well, I think
1: you have a really it's good scary. approach to it, though. Like you have a good story where you could say things were going great, and like we wanted to just make it even better, and so that's a good angle. Like a lot of people, unfortunately, their only experience with therapy is when they're hitting mm. the rocks, and right. so and and that just perpetuates the stigma whereas your story is great. And yeah,
0: I just love though that you guys I think that says something about how you live your life. Yeah. that you are looking to grow and you're Sometimes. proactive. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we're looking to grow. Sometimes we just need to be comfortable no, for a minute. No, just but 13 I appreciate, years stagnation. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, but I appreciate that because sometimes I'm like, I'm exhausted from trying so hard, right? Like, and I think we have different points in our life where sometimes we just need to sit and enjoy, like, hey, this is who I am. This is what's going on. And that's fine. And then other times in our life where we're like, okay, we're going to we're gonna try to crush Yeah, this.
0: But I think that's awesome because I... I just think that's a great approach to um, reaching out for help, and I think it's a good reminder to anybody, uh, just a good perspective for people to hear about reaching out for help, right? Because um, we can reach out for help because we're really in dire straits, or we can reach out for help just because we want some enrichment, we want to grow, and I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, so I think you both know but just any podcast listener who doesn't know, Cammy's a marriage and family therapist. So I like obviously have been become much more open to the idea of just like, wow, well, it can just like really be a good thing. And I wanted to touch real quick on something that I was just listening to the other day. You were talking about like, wow, we've been married for so long but we have these things that are still issues. And John Gottman says that 60% of marital issues even in good marriages will not be resolved and Kemi can correct me they're gridlocked gridlocked like they will not be resolved Mm -hmm. but the happy marriages are the ones who don't let that ruin their marriage yeah those those issues and so yeah I I, I think you're doing exactly something that you're not gonna let those things ruin your issue you're gonna you're gonna work together you're gonna move on I think that's awesome
0: yeah super cool Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I guess kind of along those lines, um, what, so I thought that was really good advice just to address issues, not hesitate to reach out for help. Uh, One thing that we really want to get out of this podcast and talking to people in our ward is just hearing kind of what bits of wisdom you've picked up around marriage and parenting so we can move into some of that too, like your life as parents with your kids, but what advice would you share? What things have you learned?
1: Yeah, and actually before, I'm sorry, but I feel like you just gave us a really good bit of advice someone about communication. So if we can go back to that really quickly, I'm curious to hear how... So I think I'm that person in the relationship where I don't want to talk when I'm mad. I want to be mad. And so I'm curious how... You you, how does that go for you? Right. So you guys have decided this is what we want to do. Brett kind of indicated that you were the one who kind of doesn't want to do that. She volunteered that. I (laughs) did not. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah, Um, I don't know. It's a good thing. But but anyhow, I'm curious because like I think so many of these tropes in the gospel about like happy marriage, you do this. It's like never go to bed angry. Right, but like. One of the two is bound to be terrible at that, you know, like, piece of advice. But, like, I think it's in the effort of, like, trying to improve in that. So, I don't know. Like, is it a conscious decision where you're like, I'm mad, but, like, I know we've agreed that this is what we're going to do. Or, I don't know. Any so, thoughts about how that looks? Not really, but. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: Perfect. I think one thing that... what. One reason why I really liked Brent and why I knew that this could work is that he has the ability to get me to talk Mm. more than anybody else. Like, Mm. I struggle to open up. And even while we were just really good friends, I just felt like I could talk to him. Um, And while I still struggle, like sometimes I just don't want to talk, he will, he knows that he needs to keep, keep going. Yeah. Because I just need to get pushed to be able to say it like
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. it takes a lot of encouragement for you to yeah. Put something but together. that's
2: I think that is one one reason why we work well together is, and I've always been really grateful for that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah,
0: I want About to hear the, what you guys have learned tips and, what, and tricks. Yeah, what wisdom you would share? That's kind of a big question. I know it is. Big.
2: It is. <laughs> um, I think we like to act like uh we know everything, but we really don't. <laughs> like
0: Is that a tip?
2: <laughs> like fake it? Till you the it. more you know, the more you don't know you don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I remember looking back when Burnley and Elsie were little and I was like, hey, yeah you no, know, I got this thing down. I you don't know how to parent. And now I'm like I have no idea how to yeah, parent. Right.
0: <laughs> um, I can relate to that so much. Yeah. I was like giving people parenting advice when we had a baby. Right, or, like befo- <laughs> you know, because I just thought I knew so many things. Oh,
2: but. and each kid is so different that it's like it's a whole new learning curve every single time. Yeah, um, and what works for Brinley doesn't work for Clara. And yeah, I I think trying to learn what your kids' need and who they are so that you can individualize it because yeah. that needs to happen. Like We've learned with Clara, we were struggling with her a lot and um, she's awesome, but we were struggling. <laughs> <laughs> and we learned that she really just needed more one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. And if she gets that one-on-one time, mm-hmm. then her behavior is a lot better. Yeah, And it took us a long time to figure that out. Yeah, Once we did, I feel like it's been smoother since then do you agree that's cool yeah
4: Yeah.
0: so taking the time and I think part of that is giving your kids the benefit of the doubt because Mm -hmm. what you're the assumption there is there's an explanation for this behavior other than they're just crummy and they're not Mm -hmm. a good kid you know there's an explanation Mm -hmm. and if we can be patient enough to figure it out then things will get better so I think that's great
1: I think what I heard in there as well is like the humility aspect too right like that might be your tip like don't like recognize that you don't know any, everything and i have a great quote to add to for this. sure i just read this the other day just, humanity is divided into two on the one hand those who are improvising their way through life patching solutions together and putting out fires as they go but diluting themselves otherwise and on the other those doing exactly the same except that they know it it's infinitely better to be the latter um, so just recognizing that we are all trying to figure it out, but people who think that they know everything and don't have it humility, that that's like the difference there. Yeah. You know, I like that. that's, that sums up really well. The two things I was going to say, I
3: was going to say, uh, well, as you guys were talking earlier, number one, all behavior is communication. So any behaviors you're seeing from your kids, they're communicating something, mm. whether they know it or not, or whether they're doing it very purposefully. And the same is true in our marriages. I believe that all behavior is communication, mm. everything that you, yeah, you see your spouse doing or things like that. Um, it's all communication, and, and take that in the best way possible, not mm-hmm. the worst. Yeah, like it's easy to say, oh. You know, my spouse didn't do the dishes. They're trying to tell me that they're too good to do the dishes. No, that's probably not what they're communicating. Yeah. Um, but um, there's there's different different things with that. And then the second thing I was going to say is, just like what you guys were saying, is that um, if the only thing I think that I'm learning always through raising kids is uh, to be humble because no matter what we try it usually doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean like in one way or another if I try the same solution for all kids it's not going to work or the same thing for the one kid isn't going to work a year from now yeah and if we're never trying to fix it and make new possibilities work we're going to be stuck so assume whatever you're doing is not going to work but Assume that means that you always have to be trying new things all the time. So, yeah. uh, I think about like one thing my sister said about my mom on Mother's Day this year. She said that mom was always willing to try something new. She would mm-hmm. say, "All right, kids, <laughs> this week we're gonna we're gonna try this out just this once, or let's uh-huh. do this and see how it goes." And she was always willing to like throw a new idea at the table and see if it sticks. And if not, then throw it in the garbage and we'll try something new. So. I admire that in my mom, and I think I'm trying to be more patient with myself and with my kids and recognize when my old ideas suck, it's time to get a new one, and that's okay.
2: Yeah. Something I have thought a lot about is, like, I worry so much that I'm going to mess my kids up. Oh, yes. Um, And that I have Same. to do all these things in just the right way and say everything Everything
0: depends on you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: But something I have found comfort in lately is okay, so we have provided them with a loving home. Yeah. Um hopefully with a good example of um a loving marriage and stability and giving them that and teaching them what we think they need to learn and know about, especially about the gospel. And after that, it's, it's in their hands. Yeah. Like, we can only do so much. They're going to make the decisions that they're going to make. And mm-hmm. we, while we think we have all the control over that, they really actually have that control. <laughs> and we've talked about, okay, well, what are we going to do if one of our kids does this or, or ends up being like this? And like we're just going to love them the same it's okay like they're they are going to make mistakes and we're going to watch that and there will probably be things that will hurt and things we don't like as we see them grow up um but we've done our best and we just need to love them and accept
0: that that is that it's up to them yeah they get to make their own decisions right I think about that sometimes, this is kind of a silly example, but it's easy for me to accept that reality if I think about food with my kids, okay? (laughs) So, like, I just came to this realization that my kids are going to grow up and they're going to move out. And they're going to choose if they want to eat macaroni and cheese every day or go-gurt for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Or, like, they're going to make all the decisions. And our job is to give them lots of exposure to different things. Um, But I think I've just come to terms with the fact that I really don't have that much control Mm -hmm. other than offering them things. So food is not, like, a high-stakes thing for me. I mean, I would like them to be healthy. But... um, I think there's other things like the gospel that do feel very, you know, it feels like part of our mission in life to pass that on to our kids. So I think it's harder to think about it that way. Um, But I do think some of the same ideas apply. Just we do our best, like you said, we provide them with a loving home. We try to provide the best example that we can. Um, But we also know that, yeah, part of their experience in life is to make their own decisions and... That's part of our, our experience, too, is to watch that and tolerate that, you know, to still love them. So, so focusing on teaching them
2: to be decision makers and make those decisions and how to do that mm. rather than teaching
0: them all the things that they should yeah. do. Right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or letting life happen to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Uh, words of wisdom. Um, we have a lot
2: more, you know. I know. We. we a I, I know we
0: just scratched the surface, but we got to leave we people can tell wanting you more. We all the
2: things about how you should parent your children. <laughs> well, we know. When you the write wisdom. the book,
0: we'll have you back on the podcast to promote your book. You know? oh, um, yeah. Actually, so just talking about parenting one of the questions that we wanted to ask you guys about was a time in your life and maybe you can think of one, maybe not, but a time when you felt like you were fulfilling your mission in life or like what you were supposed to be doing here on earth. Have you ever had a time like that? Um,
3: Every time a child is born, every time I take a time off work and I'm in the hospital and we've had a newborn baby, uh, going back to work seems a lot less important mm-hmm. and a lot less like all the things that stressed me out or worried me or occupied my minutes seems so silly, so silly and stupid. And those, those moments like that are times when we deliberately take time away to be together as a family, um, help reset my
1: my perspective those are the two things i can think of
0: i love that you're
1: so much wiser than i am (laughs) or at least was every time my children were born
2: (laughs) i love that i think for me as a mom um when i see my kids do hard things Mm. things that they don't want to do um or they're scared of and seeing them overcome those things it's it's really fulfilling um We've had a couple experiences on trips that we've done. Most recently, we were um, on a, a gorge, what do they call it? A shut-in, it's called Johnson's Shut-in, and they had a bunch of like cliffs where you could jump into the water. Mm-hmm. And there was one that was really high, and our girls decided they wanted to do it. <laughs> but it was pretty high and scary, and they were terrified. Um, But they overcame that fear and still did it. And even like Clara did a smaller one and she was terrified and she overcame it. And then she (laughs) did it like 20 times more. But watching them overcome that fear and do something that's hard for them um, is extremely fulfilling when you see them do that. Yeah, I love
3: that. That's really neat. And it's it's hard as a parent because we want to like... Like it's so tempting to not let them do hard, do some of these things. Like, yeah. who's gonna let their eight years? I guess she was eight. Your eight-year-old do a cliff jump into a river. <laughs> like she wanted to do like a forty-foot high one.
2: I didn't let her. And
3: do. we just didn't think she was maybe coordinated enough to make the jump all the way out far enough. But you know, she, the, the ten she, and the twelve-year-old. <laughs> and Clara, if you hear this, I'm sorry. Didn't get that. You'll but, get there, Clara. But she did the other ones. You know, yeah. she's going off ten foot or greater probably 15 feet into the water or something like that but um, but I agree it's it's tempting as a parent to want to like overprotect, and really all we're doing is whenever you take a plant and you cover it up and you don't let it you know get injured by anything it doesn't grow as well there's I think there's a, a story about trees that have been grown in like a biodome that have no wind and they found that the trees just fall over mm. because it's the wind and the rocking back and forth and the, the trials and the struggle that cause a tree to dive its roots down deep. Mm. And that's what keeps a tree strong when when it's trying to grow tall. And as we overprotect our kids from the wind and the buffetings of life, we do the same thing and we don't let our kids' roots grow deep and they don't stand strong mm. on their own without us. So um, letting, our, letting our kids do hard things and also encouraging mm-hmm. them to do hard things are both equally challenging for me. Yeah.
2: It is just so satisfying though when you like <laughs> see them afterwards when they've done it, and I don't know what it is, but it is like my greatest joy, I think.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> I really great. That. Oh, thanks for sharing those. I like that. So, uh, this has been great, but we've been really serious. We need to hear, we need some. Comedy, some humor here. (laughs) We hear about like a funny experience from the Sheffield household. uh, I think we were talking about bobcats earlier. That's like
3: our kids cried. That's our most recent time when we had tears. So both this year and last year, you know, we moved into the Crystal Valley Ward and we bought a small home on 16 acres and... We have chickens and last year we had like i don't know how many chickens i guess we had like 15 chickens and we came home from church one day and at the top of our driveway right by our mailbox was a dead bobcat and i was like that's weird there's a dead bobcat right, right at our driveway And we went down our driveway to find, uh, I think, 12 of our 15 chickens were dead. Oh, man. And and so we we have a good theory of what was happening. And uh, we ended up with a great bobcat skin in our garage. But uh, we just had another trip this summer where we left town and had somebody feeding our chickens while we were gone. And we drove drove in, and the day we showed up, we so found funny. that we were missing
4: We, were, <laughs> we had lost 17
3: more chickens So right now The score is like Bobcats, 30 chickens Us, 1 bobcat skin 1 bobcat skin okay. So yeah. if you know, see but any bobcats in your neighborhood uh, so how do you do Let me bobcat, know Because we've got to even the score
0: How do the bobcats die though?
1: Well, the one just oh. got hit by a car. Yeah, hit by a car.
2: Oh, we think it was okay. crossing Lake Gulch Road. And with just a got... chicken
1: in its mouth. I think it was coming it back was... for the next chicken.
2: So this is this is why it's funny. It's not really funny at all. <laughs> I, but yeah, I'm sorry. I stayed at home with like Gil or somebody was sick. I don't remember. Um, and Brent comes home and he's like, there's a bobcat at the top of the driveway. <laughs> and we're grabbing a wheelbarrow. And I'm like, What? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we're gonna go pick it up. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not picking up the bobcat. So I follow him up the driveway, and he's got like gloves in the wheelbarrow. And um, sure enough, he's like, okay, we're gonna pick this up. It was still warm, so he's like, we're gonna we're gonna take it down and do something with this. <laughs> so they pick up the bobcat. Did you make the girls pick it up? Uh, yeah, I made I think them you put it did. in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> Um, and I'm like in my mind I'm just like you are psycho What? why why no just leave it there and uh so we bring it down to our carport um and Brent decided that we were gonna skin it and I was at this point still a little like traumatized like yeah this is disgusting why would you do this but he YouTubed some videos um And I was sticking around because it was kind of (laughs) funny and gross and uh, he started skinning it and uh, it's one of those things like, you know, like peeling skin. Why is it satisfying?
3: (laughs) It's not satisfying to everyone. It It might be satisfying to you. Long story short, by the end of it, nobody's got gloves on. Krista is the one being like, "I want another turn, and our kids <laughs> are in there with a knife and bloody hands like peeling the skin varsity. off this bobcat. Peeling we it dissected off. it, we checked the the stomach to see if we there was actual chicken it in there it. It was... there were there were chicken parts in there for it was sure. like
2: the greatest science lesson yeah. 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 And I honestly would do it again. I'd get another one if, if it came our way. Wow. So the message is, I on,
3: Bobcats. We're, we I wish around. everybody
1: could have seen the semi-crazy look in Chris's eyes when she was like, I would do it again. <laughs> yes. so, so I think sad. it's, I mean, it's, it's like funny, borderline ridiculous, because you guys just and got course. off the topic of like, yeah, it's so, it's so easy to want to protect your kids and not let them do anything hard. And I'm like, yeah, they live on like 16 acres and they kill bo- skinned bobcats. Like, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure their kid's doing hard stuff. So, they got that one done. Oh it's
0: like a cadaver lab delivered yeah. to your driveway. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's amazing. So, I actually... Sorry if this is too serious again, but I have Damn. questions about just things about your life that are unconventional. So like choosing to live on a bunch of land or um, you guys homeschooled, right? Or do you did? Okay, you did. No so longer. tell me, <laughs> sort of. yeah, like tell, I guess people a little bit about some of those, some things that you guys have chosen to do that maybe are yeah. different or unique. And how did you arrive at some of those decisions?
3: Uh, That's a good question. So, I mean, we used to live in the Founders Ward, which is a ward in our stake with really small boundaries and just kind of um, suburbia, and I kind of uh, somehow talked Krista into being willing to sell our house and move into this very small 1889 built farmhouse with one bathroom.
2: Correction. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Brent, we put an offer on the house the day I had a gill
3: in the hospital (laughs) when we decided. She might have been on medication. So I think his statement
1: was, I convinced Krista to do this, and you're thinking there was no me getting convinced this was not... (laughs) Well, it was...
2: I don't know how this happened, because I was like, okay, well, we'll just put an offer on. Like, I don't even have... I can't think about this right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, just put an offer. That's fine. And, um, then we found out we got it and we had like a week or something, a certain amount of time to decide if we were going to, uh, go forward with it. And it was the day after we got home from the hospital and Brent brought me to the property with a few friends and his dad and his brother. And I just had to go sit in the car and cry. (laughs) I was like, why are you trying to make me make this decision right
4: now? I cannot do this. I,
2: I can't. You're so over. I actually
1: remember when you guys moved into the ward and you had this brand new baby and you had just bought all this oh. acreage. And I think you had already quit your job. or like Not You had yet. put, you know, yeah. had like yeah. put your notice in or whatever. And I was just like, wow. These people are doing some major life changes here. This is intense. <laughs> this is year, for
3: sure. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been an interesting time.
2: We were also homeschooling that year. Yep. Krista So homeschooling had a new baby. We Krista had, had
3: heart baby. surgery, shoulder surgery, oh, new baby, I know about we that. moved twice. Moved moved, moved twice, yeah, we moved into a rental. I guess we moved, moved to the house. Oh, homeschooling, so I quit went. my job. Uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting year.
1: Wow. But uh, you guys need, it's like, a, a That was 2020? 2020, 2020
2: 20? to 21, yeah.
1: yeah. You need, like, a big plaque on your wall. Right. Like a memorial for, for that year. <laughs> That's a big one.
2: But out of it, we got a tiny house.
3: Yeah, we got a smaller house. <laughs> um, the one we, bathroom I. still don't really have a job. Very
2: unconventional. <laughs> <laughs> and terrible. But. But we have we a really have big hopes. yard. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a really big yard with
3: three trampolines. So that counts for something. So there you go.
2: Counts. So they just go to the bathroom under the trampoline. <laughs> yeah. And Maybe they it's might more do one that.
1: But we yeah. will say that on here. Um, well, your kids wouldn't be the only ones doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the difference is ours, ours are, not are under- girls. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> <sighs> So funny. Well, I always do it
1: with the neighbor girls watching. So, <laughs> that's yes. also and
0: no privacy fence. Yeah. yeah. So, but you guys, what can you? I don't know. What can you teach us about like making decisions? Because it sounds like you guys are not afraid. Chris is shaking her head, but just hearing all of that, I'm kind of amazed at how many like big life decisions you made, kind of going against the grain a little bit.
3: Well, I, I think for me, I'm not somebody who stresses out a ton about much of anything. And so <laughs> I think some of those decisions just come easier for me, maybe. But I, for me, most of the decisions are like, if you think about it, what decisions are not reversible? Like, It's true. I, I think I told Krista, you know, we say we buy this house on 16 acres and we hate it, then we just sell it and buy another house. It's not like there's not going to be another house to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, (laughs) yeah I mean or I say I quit my job and I regret it immediately well guess what I just go apply for jobs again the next year or Mm -hmm. like, there's not that many decisions in life that you can't go back and reverse Mm -hmm. there's very few and the few decisions that are hard to go back and reverse are the ones that really matter anyway Mm -hmm. like um, the ones about your family or how you treat others those are the real decisions that matter but like, you can change your job. You can. Chris is. Chris has got a grandfather that, that passed away in the last couple of years. That was he a great was awesome. example. He he was uh, served in the military for a long time. Then he decided, hey, I'm gonna go become a lawyer, and he became a lawyer and district attorney. Then he yeah. was like, oh, I think I'm gonna go be uh, archaeologist, and he went back he to school, went back to school again, and got a an <laughs> degree in archaeology and did it with his wife. And then he was like. I think I want my grandkids to have hard experiences. And so he became a farmer and bought a cattle a ranch and wow. he ranched cattle and brought his, his grandkids out to help him over the summers. And like, you and know, then he wrote a book. So cool. So it's
4: cool. I want to <laughs> that's read his book. Really sounds amazing. Yeah, that's it really, really is. Cool.
3: But it's a great testament to the fact that like, none of us really have to do what we think we have to do. Like you can yeah. do whatever the heck you want and you can change your course in life so many different times. And, and that's okay like we don't need to Nothing. stress too much about these decisions that we think are
1: such a big
0: deal. yeah yeah
1: well and a lot of this is personality type that entire conversation gave me a ton of anxiety and my blood <laughs> pressure was up the entire time like that, is, that just does not work for me as well but i, I think there oh are good principles awesome. there of <laughs> You know what? What really matters, and I
0: think yeah. that I think just the takeaway for me is the part about most things are reversible. Yeah, I know yeah, that that's really, really helpful to think. Yeah, that really the blood pressure me. went down
1: slightly when I thought that, yeah. I thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> that definitely. is a
0: similar idea with um, like some of the stuff you'll read about decluttering. You know, like yeah. the Marie Kondo method. Mm-hmm. It's like you can, you know, if you throw away your uh, warranty or something that seems important like get rid of paperwork and guess what it exists somewhere else like you can find it uh-huh. online or whatever I have um, regrets though I've had regrets. <laughs> I have regrets I know yeah. like I don't know that that's the best <laughs> advice or the best example but it just similarly it's like life decisions a lot of them that feel super important well like Think you about that
1: Yeah. So yeah, so all of that being said by Brent, do you have any rebuttal to this idea Um, of like decision making? I think Cammy's question is great, just like decision making (laughs) what what thoughts you have about The
2: whole time I'm thinking, yeah, that's you, not me. Um, we're very different that way. I think I uh I am paralyzed by decisions sometimes. Um And like you said, like, your blood pressure is going up. Mine, too. (laughs) My blood pressure goes up from having to make decisions. And even if I logically know that, like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Or, yes, we can sell this house later. um, It's still really difficult for me to make those decisions. But I think just sometimes just moving forward, like... Just making yourself make a decision, mm-hmm. and and not letting the lack of making decisions be, be what makes decisions. your decision yeah. for you, right?
1: Well, yeah. Well, just, I mean, and also you have like a pretty good situation because if anything goes wrong, you just blame Brent, right? Right. You're like, well, you I'll got do us see. Every this day, <laughs> <laughs> which makes it a little bit easier, I think. Yeah.
0: Um, I think so what are the questions we want to ask and maybe something we'll kind of end with unless we think of more things we need well, to add in but
1: the love the gospel one do you want to do that one first oh, or are you, sure. before the casserole one okay yeah yeah so would each of you maybe chris we'll start with you just tell us one thing that you love about the gospel and i think just to give a little background about this is like I really love listening to this podcast by Elias Living. It's called All In, and yeah. they ask the it's question, "What does it mean to be all in?" And I've thought, and and she does a really good job with handling that question. But it does kind of make you think sometimes. Well, like you know, if somebody doesn't feel like they are all in, or or if they, you know, if their perception is that they're not all in, or whatever. But I love the question, just like, "What do you love about the gospel?" Because each of us can maybe talk about, you know. Frustrations that we've had at one time or another or disappointments or whatever. But like there's so much to love. And so I think that's a great thing to focus on. What do you love about the gospel?
2: And that is a big question too. But um, I think most recently what I have loved is that it's just good. Mm. Um, It brings forth good works. I think it makes good people and all of the things that come from it are good. And I just see so much beauty and kindness and love and all good things. And, and you know, they say, how do you know if something is from God? If it's, if it's good, it's from God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I see when I think about the gospel is I can see that it comes from God because I can see that the works are good. Mm-hmm. And I love that.
1: And I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I've actually been thinking about this a lot as well. You know, we probably all know somebody who even recently was disillusioned and disaffected from the church. And I just often think about, like, so so many times it's like, they're like, well, I found out this and so it can't be true. And it's like, okay, like, well, what are your alternatives, right? Like, show me something else that one doesn't have, some similar problem, and two, like, show me something else that's like net, net, more pot, more net positive, like yeah. what you're talking about, like, just so good. Um, and so you were just talking about, like, I just see so much goodness, and that's not to say that I, I don't think you think that every person in the church is so good but the ideals that we strive for the ideals that we're taught what we're aspiring to kind of going back to that quote that i read about like when faced with a life decision choose something ennobling Mm -hmm. or enlarging versus happiness and so i i agree with you that i think that the church i just think it's good pushes us to be good not necessarily that we're all already good right Thanks for sharing that. Brent? Yeah, when I
3: think about the gospel, I think about the peace it brings. Um, You know, the times in life when I've felt great peace and comfort from it, but in general, I think the peace I feel internally, I feel it greater when I am committed in my behaviors to the Lord. I think about like the Sabbath day and anyone in the world has a chance to take a day away, one day a week and choose to have a day of peace and a day of set apart but um, and you know it's those who don't choose to do that miss so much that peace like we found with our one of our daughters who plays soccer that as we show up to the to the team practice on Monday after having played in the game Saturday and then missed everyone else on, on Sunday, that Monday, I found that I've had parents say, I'm so jealous <laughs> that you guys don't go on Sundays mm-hmm. because we feel like it just never turns off. Mm-hmm. And um, whether it's that or, or the peace you find from reading the scriptures or... Um, or with my calling, uh, teaching seminary, being able to wake up in the morning and be with the youth and find that my day started early, but it has started and I feel at peace as I drive home. Um, those are the things that really I feel like are the biggest things I gained from the gospel is that the peace and the calm and the, the centering of mind and heart on the Lord that really improved my life the most. Mm-hmm. It's great Thanks. thank
0: you for sharing that um so the question we want to close with the podcast is called crystal valley casserole and as we all know casserole is kind of a dish that integrates lots of different ingredients that are unique but then it they turn into something delicious hopefully um so what kind of unique flavor or ingredient do you guys bring to our ward um just tell us yeah what do you think you bring
2: the mashed potatoes
0: (laughs) (laughs) the proverbial casserole like the kind with
1: the sour cream and chives like mixed in with it sure why not yeah (laughs) yeah. nice
3: yeah I don't know I don't think we're we're not gonna be the people that like spice things up or are crazy or the loudest or, or whatever but um
2: We bring the chill. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Sure. We're not not going to do a lot of extra, over-the-top planning and things like that, but we're here. We'll show up, (laughs) and, you know, I might not have any makeup on and have sauce all over my
0: shirt, (sighs) but we're here. You guys will participate. You're present. We'll be there.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're, 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 yeah, I don't think. um, So I think everyone is welcome at our house at any time, in any condition, for any reason, and and. uh,
2: Just send all your kids over, and they'll just all play outside. (laughs) I probably won't watch them, but.
3: No, yeah, I I don't know. I think we bring, yeah, chill. No judgment. No, no. No assumptions of what we need to be or how we need to look, or we're not going to try to trick you about who we are. We're just, I think we're trying to be, we are who we are, and we're not too worried about that. Um, So no judgment zone here. We're not going to spend extra time making centerpieces for my uh, elders quorum lesson or anything like that, because I just don't care. So. Uh, so, relaxed I, and chill.
1: I thought your mashed potatoes comment was just like off the cuff. You were just thinking of something silly to say, but you guys must have thought about that because that really does kind of exactly <laughs> describe exactly what you're talking about. Like, I like what you said, like, we're real, right? Like, it's like this staple dish. It's consistent, it's not flashy, but it's like, I don't know, it's real. Mashed potatoes feel very real. It's not like, you know, some processed food or whatever, right? Like, Thanks. Thanks yeah, for that's awesome. tying that together because yeah. I didn't have anything. Oh, <laughs> real real I, potatoes I think, too, not the works. potato flakes. Right, for exactly. Sure. <laughs> or the pearls. Yeah, not that. Well, thanks a lot for being here, guys. It's been a great conversation. I really think that as people listen to these conversations, they can get like uplifted and find insight in their life. But me, for sure. Like this has just been a great conversation. So whether no, whether whether or not anybody listens to it, glad you guys are here. Yeah,
0: it's fun to get to know you guys a little better.